What's up, everybody? Welcome to the newly revised Kingdom REI podcast. And uh, to really launch kind of this this new, I, I guess it's a new show, we, uh, we have uh, the man, the myth, the legend. He really needs no intro, um, but I'm going to give it to him anyways for anyone maybe who's new to the real estate world. He's been called many things, the G-Daddy right? The, the, the godfather of multifamily. I don't know how many names this man has, but we have with us today, Mr. Gino Barbero. Uh, Barbaro, excuse me. What's up, brother? Welcome to the show. Well, Ellis, my favorite name is Dad. I've got six kids and everyone calls me Dad, so I like it. And, and an old dog is launching the new podcast. I like that, Ellis. <laughs> Little surprise there. Yeah. So co-founder of Jake and Gino, father of six, my man did 25 years as a restaurant owner before getting into the world of multifamily, which I can't wait to talk about today. Professional coach is currently investing in over 1,500 multifamily units, um, 100 million in AUM assets under management. Man, you've been busy. I have the last few years, and it's been good. And you know, the busier you are, the luckier you get. The luckier you get, the busier you are, the harder you work. So it goes hand in hand. <laughs> Well, look, I, uh, the way we always start our show is we, uh, we pray. And so if you wouldn't mind, man, let me just pray for us real quick, and then we'll jump mm -hmm. in uh, to, this, to this episode. God, we're so grateful for this time, for, for Gino and, and joining us. Um, new title of the show, but guys, same, same mission is to really glorify you, to really use our businesses, our investments, uh, to really advance your kingdom. And pray that you uh, would use this episode to that end. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Listen, man, so let's jump in. I want to go back a little bit. I mean, you know, we're going to get into what you're doing now. Well, let me ask this, and then we'll go back. Tell our audience, I just read your bio, but really what is your focus, um, your company and your company's focus as it stands in 2020 today? So for us, we have several different branches of our company. We started out buying a 25-unit property, Jake and I, back in 2013, and we expanded to 1,000 units, just me, Jake, and a partner, Mike, through the refi and roll strategy. We refied over $9 million out of our portfolio and continued to buy. We didn't really know syndication or want anything to do with it until we said, let's try it. So the next 500 units we uh, syndicated. So we're about 1,600 units right now. We just closed in a deal uh, on this past Friday. I was talking to Ellis about it. Smaller deal, 48 unit deal, but that's what the defense has given us and that's what we're taking right now. We have an education company, Jake and Gino. We have a syndication company called Rand Partners and we have a little capital company called Rand Capital that is doing mortgages for students and you know agency debt. So for us, we employ the multifaceted multifamily strategy where we have just a beautiful symbiotic relationship. If you want to learn multifamily? Great. You know what? You can invest with us also. And it's amazing how the education company works because I'm learning just just as I'm going, right? We're doing three podcasts a week and I'm interviewing amazing people, whether it's a Ken McElroy, whether it's a Robert Kiyosaki, and I'm learning from them and I'm using that education, that wisdom to actually help our business flourish. We're having these on-site boot camps with our students. And you know what? Our students come and ask these amazing questions. We're looking at other operators. So the education aspect, we love it and it just blends all together. So if you told me five years ago, you're going to run three or four companies, I'd say, Ellis, you got to be kidding me. But you know what? It's just worked <laughs> out that way. When you surround yourself with amazing people, that's what ends up happening. You know, yeah, you start yeah. working harder. So let's go back to that, man. So 20, you, you were 25 years as a restaurant owner, pizza guy, mm -hmm. right? Correct? Yes. Owned a, owned a yes. pizza shop. So here, here's my question for you to really, to really get into this. And, and I want to bring in the faith component to this because I know you're a man of strong faith as well. Talk to me about that pivot and what, 
what happened and maybe how that was even that tested you to really give up or change from something mm-hmm. maybe you knew for so long we're comfortable with um let's let's go back to that moment you know when you turn from pizza mm-hmm. business owner to multifamily investor so for me i'm an eight-year-old little boy in white plains new york i'm going to work with my dad every day you know he works at the restaurant he had a restaurant back then and i thought hey every kid's going to work with his dad at the restaurant right i grew up in the restaurant business i went to college uh went to fairfield university graduated in 1992 there were really no jobs out there i went to work for aig when aig was a real company in reinsurance accounting it was the most boring job you'll ever have <laughs> i worked there for a year and i just realized like a lot of people out there the cubicle life wasn't for me i, w- I wasn't the employee right i was not the employee taking directive because i'd always worked with my dad so we decided to buy a restaurant on our own my dad had partners so i bought a restaurant with my family and I loved it for the first 15 years. It was just going to work with my dad every day. You know, he was working in the kitchen. My brother was working up front. And my mom was there. A nice little place. It was the ultimate middle class dream from 1994 till about 2004, 2005, right? Those 10 years, we crushed it. Less competition, not as much internet, great food. People were out. And then all of a sudden, things started shifting. I mean, the, you know, the internet comes, Grubhub comes, uh, more competition. Um, the mom and pop space is just dying out. People don't value food as much. You got Pizza Hut, you got Papa John's, you have all these other places and it's taking a little bit here and a little bit there. And, you know, in 2007, my dad passes away and I'm like, you know, I'm just, I'm thinking to myself, am I building my dream or am I building my dad's dream? I, when I really had that as people say, come to Jesus moment. And I didn't think of it back then. I've been reflecting the last couple of years, 2008 comes and that's the great recession and everybody gets hammered, right? The restaurant is slow. I'm not doing, not doing the numbers anymore. And you know, we have two families there. I've got four kids at the time and I'm like, I've got to do something. I've got to make more money here. So I just looked into real estate. My family was always pretty entrepreneurial as far as doing other investments. My mom owned the restaurant building. So she had three apartments upstairs. So I'm like, Let's get into multifamily. I had tried mobile home parks and I had tried a mixed use property. I crapped out on both of them. I ended up going and, and getting you know trained by a couple of mentors. And I really liked the multifamily space. I liked the fact that to be a landlord, I liked that control. And it was, it was passive. Believe it or not, the first 10 or 15 units, you know, you have one or two issues a week. It's not bad. You can still do a full-time job and have real estate on the side. That's what I liked about it. I didn't want to fix and flip. I didn't want another job. So I got in, I got into it that way. And it took me a couple of years. I met Jake back in 2011. He goes down to Knoxville. And then I say, Jake, when you're down there, let's start looking at deals. And he, we started looking at deals together. I mean, he's not on the podcast, so I can, I can say that I've taught him everything he knows, um, at least in the <laughs> beginning. He talks about being a mentor. And, you know, he was a young guy. He was a pharmaceutical rep. He wanted right. I wanted. He wanted that dream of getting out. He was a worse employee than I was. So for us, we bought our first deal. It took us 18 months. It took us a long time. But for me, it really was, you know, fulfilling. And the other thing I'll, I'll talk, look back at also at Ellis is the last couple of years that I was at the restaurant, I was coming home mad. I was coming home angry and I was working hard and I didn't want my kids to see and to equate hard work with not liking your job, right? Yeah. That I wasn't being the role model as a father and I didn't want that. Now I, and I'm working now, I'm working probably just as much, if not more, 
but I really like the work. I mean, my kids are involved. I shot a Facebook live with one of my daughters today. I involve them. They come to our live events. My wife and I do a podcast together. It's just, it's just so much more to me invigorating. We're helping more people. I'm more energized. I think it's my sole purpose. At the restaurant, I was going in that direction, but I just didn't want to work on the weekends. I didn't want to work on the holidays. It was, you know, I would tell everyone out there, check what your values are. Look at what your values are. And then are your goals aligned with your values? My goal was to really great, grow and create an amazing company, but at the, at, not at the discretion or not at losing you know, the weekends, not at losing family time, not at losing the holidays. And I was yeah. working all those times and my values were conflicting with what my goals were. And that's why I was like stressed out and I was really mad at being in that situation. So I ended up looking at multifamily as that alternative. Let's talk about it real quick, just because this is the Kingdom REI show, like your faith in the midst of that, like how that either deepened weekend, I mean, you know, there, like how that maybe served as an anchor for you or not during that time. I mean, how, how was that? For me, when my dad passed away, I was really mad because, you know, he was a great guy and, you know, he took care of me, you know, I mean, he was, he was a great role model. And when that happened, I, that really, I was so confused. I wasn't sure what to do. I'm like, I don't want to be doing this. And you know, you just try to hear, you try to hear signs, you know, from God. And for me, getting out of New York was, was the pivotal moment for me that like actually putting faith. Well, I mean, I've lived such an amazing life. I my wife is amazing. She's probably, she, I, she's the one that I credit for saving my soul. Uh, she actually, you know, said, you want to go down to Florida? Let's go down to Florida. My whole family's killing me up north. You can't leave. And she's like, let's do it. So every time I've always had a pushback, I can always rely on her. And I think he just put her in my life just yeah, to make my huge. life a lot easier. Oh man, it's, you have no idea with spousal communications and you know, does she drive me nuts? Yeah, but I drive her more nuts than <laughs> she drives me nuts. But I mean, like she's there and she's taking away the pressure. And I mean, for a woman who's homeschooled, six kids has to cook three meals a day does a podcast with me. I never hear her complain. I never say here she's tired. And I mean, if you have somebody like that in your life, how can I come home after doing podcasts and doing some interviews and, and talking to investors and say, oh, I had a rough day, honey. I'm tired. I don't want to do anything. I can't do that. You know what I'm saying? That's not possible for me to do. I, you know, she's putting all that energy out. She's putting all that effort out. I have to match that energy and that effort. And we always can rely on each other. And I think that's important. I think that's what we really have to look at. And I think from the, from the partner perspective, it's the same thing with Jake. I think God finally put a really great partner in my life. I've had some bad ones. I had a great partner in my brother, but Jake is one of those partners where you just get on a phone call and it's done. I mean, there's no, there's no excuses. I mean, the guy works seven days a week if he has to, um, he gets everything done. We, we divide and conquer. And that's where I think, you know, just listening to him and trying to see what it is. And I think ultimately, you know, we're stewards of our money and we're stewards of our lives. And I think we have to have that go-giver mentality. We have to be out there trying to help others. And it's really hard when you're in the rat race. It's really hard when you're grinding every day. But if you can step back and stop looking at just what you want, you know, what you need and really look at others. And I'll give a tip to everybody out there. You'll know you're doing something really well when you can do something for somebody and you don't expect anything in return. Like we were just on the call with your mastermind 10 minutes ago. I could talk for an hour. I don't want anything or need anything from them. I want to help those people out. And I think when you get to that point in life, when you can give to others, and it's whether it's a donation, because most of us want to give something away and we want to gift and be charitable. But you know what? We're getting a tax donation. We're getting a thank you card. It's helping our ego or whatever that may be. But when you can start giving away to others and start helping others without expecting anything in return, that's when I think you're going to be most rewarded in life. Love it, man. Do you know, I mean, if people want to know more about your kind of intro or start into multifamily, how you did your first deal, mm -hmm. listen, you wrote a book, you got 
several hundred podcast shows on this. I want to go a little bit deeper and maybe talk mm-hmm. about um, the because what I've seen you build now, man, you and Jake is you're building an empire, right? Like you, you are building a, a real business. You guys are no longer just real estate investors. Mm-hmm. You're business owners. Let's talk about that pivot when you you know made the pivot from. Hey, I'm buying multifamily deals, or I'm I'm a real estate investor. To yes. now, I'm a true entrepreneur. I'm a business owner. Talk about that transition. <sighs> what was that first step? Because I'm I'm in I'm in that phase. How do I be? You know, I'm, I was a former pastor, missionary. Now I'm in, really learning to be an entrepreneur. That's what I want to learn more from you, man. Mm-hmm. Just kind of how you guys made that transition, even the mindset shift of thinking, okay, we do one thing to now this one thing can create five, six, seven different things? That's a great question. I just wrote an article. Just go to jakeandgino.com. And I wrote an article about the seven levels of building a multifamily business. Mm. And, and I don't remember all the seven levels off the top of my head, but I'll try to run through them. And what I would like to say, Jake and Gino, our new slogan, I was on a podcast with Carmine Gallo. He's seven, seven uh, presentation uh, secrets of Steve Jobs. He wrote the book. He's amazing. He's written nine books. He's saying, chunk your business down to one sentence. And I'm like, Jake and Gino, what do we do? Very simply, Jake and Gino is we create multifamily real estate entrepreneurs. That's what we do. And your question pivots perfectly into what you're asking. Because when I started buying real estate and multifamily, I thought I was investing in real estate. What you're doing is you're buying individual little businesses. Right. Get exactly. your mind wrapped around that. Yeah. Don't, you're not buying tenants and toilets and trash. You are. You don't have to do that. You can do that in the beginning. And in the beginning, it's the I'm a mentality. So in the very beginning, I think stage one is basically, you know what? It's the epiphany aha moment. I can give you so many examples of different, uh, you know, students out there. I have a student, uh, Jennifer Morrell. She's sitting with me about two months ago in St. Augustine, and she actually was driving through from up North Carolina going down and she wanted to start this health healthcare business. And for her, the aha moment was I can help people. I'm doing this right now. I want to start this business and help people. So what is your aha moment out there? My aha moment out there was I'm not building my dream. I'm building my dad's dream. So that's the first step is that aha moment. The next step is the massive education. You can have that aha, that epiphany moment. If you don't have a shift into, I've got to learn a lot of stuff here and I'm not going to be an overnight success. I really got to grill into this and drill into this. This may be three, six, 12 months, 18 months, whatever it is. It took me a long time. I'm not a smart guy. So I really need to listen to podcasts, really need to dive into the education. I needed to find a mentor. I needed to find a coach. I need to invest in my education. That's what we all need to go out there because you want to dramatically lessen your learning curve. And also, success leaves clues. Why go out there and reinvent the wheel? Multifamily is not rocket science. Everyone out there, whoever's teaching it and doing it, go and find somebody who's doing it. Let them show you how it's done. It'll save you so much time. The next step is taking that massive action. What does that look like? All of a sudden, it's scary, but you need to choose a market. Select one market when you're first starting out. It could be in your backyard. It could be outside your backyard but select that market, start focusing on it, start underwriting deals, start putting in letters of intent. Ellis, when you buy that first deal, it's really scary. You don't have to buy a 300 unit deal. Don't listen to all the gurus out there saying, go big or go home. I say, start small, think big, start small. It's all about proof of concept. You want to prove to yourself that you can do it. If it's a triplex, duplex, so what? You're in the business. All of a sudden, you know, our 24 year old student, Clayton Hepler, I did a podcast with him this morning. 
He's got a, he closed in a triplex a couple weeks ago. And now all of a sudden he did a 30 unit property tour, 24 unit property tour and a 40, 40 unit property tour all in the same week from brokers. Cause now brokers know that he's serious, even though he's 24 years old, they're not asking him for proof of funds right. because he knows what the hell he's talking about. He's aligned himself with the right team members and he's learned that all within the span of a year. So that's amazing. And he's only 24 years old, right? That massive action, start taking it. Then you buy that first deal. It's a little scary. It's the I'm a mentality. I'm going to cut the grass. I'm going to clean the gutters. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to paint. Yeah. That's fine. We have to go through that transition because it's like letting go. And I had one restaurant for 25 years. In six years, I've got 1,600 unit apartments, 1,600 apartments. How does that work? It's because I got out of that, this stage right now of being that, you know, the technician, as they talk about in the e-myth. I was a technician working on everything. And, you know, is it a little bit of the ego? Is it because I think I can do better than everybody else? I probably could, but you're never going to scale or grow like it if you, if you have that mindset. You have to trust others. And that becomes, that comes from you actually looking inside and saying, I need to hire the right people. I need to start creating core values. I need to start creating a culture within the, the organization that I want to, when I want to grow. And we didn't have that Jake and I in the beginning. It was just me and him flashing out 25 unit deal, then a 36 unit deal, then 136 unit deal. So within about 18 months, Jake and I had 200 units He's about ready to leave his job. And that first hire is probably the scariest for all the entrepreneurs. All of a sudden you have to hire a property manager or a maintenance tech and you're not sure. That's the hardest part. When you're contemplating hiring somebody, that's when you got to hire somebody. And for Jake and Gino, I waited too long. I got hired Josh on about a year after I started. I should have hired him sooner. That was the biggest mistake. And I think most entrepreneurs will tell you that. When do you hire? You're not really sure. When you're thinking about it, you know that you need to do mm, it. So that's good. That's a good um, advice. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. I'm just trying to think of what else I can add to that. I mean, then from there, you start adding on, you start scaling and it comes back to coaching. It comes back to mentoring. We started coaching with a group that uh, they're, they're called Scaling Up. They use the Rockefeller Habits. We've never scaled a business. We didn't know what a cadence of accountability was. We didn't know what creating a culture and doing core values and having weekly lessons, weekly calls. We didn't know any of that stuff. So for us, it came back to finding people who had done it before and teaching us. And then that, that gave us the ability to start scaling our companies. And that's, I think, the evolution, you know, within really short and span, time span. But going from the I'm mentality, so I have to do everything, which is fine because you may have to learn to, if you want to get to the next level and not be that mom and pop, but get to that next level. It's all about those you know, moments of epiphany and those inflection points. Let me ask you this then, Gino. Like, mm -hmm. I see, what's the difference then? There's a, I mean, you know, you coach, you have a coaching program that's bringing all these multifamily folks in. They're trying to do their first deal or second deal or whatever. But then I see other guys come in, you know, and they're bang, 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 and they already have a business and they have, you know, 1,000, 2,000 mm -hmm. units under their belt pretty quick. What's the difference in someone who kind of, flounders in this business and gets a couple of deals done for someone who can really come in and really begin to treat this as a business and can scale and grow quickly because you coach a lot of folks. What have you seen mm -hmm. to be the biggest difference in someone who just comes in the mentality is I'm a real estate investor and I'm, you know, they do a few deals or maybe no deals at all versus someone who comes in and really has success really begins to build you know, a portfolio of multifamily apartment complexes, a real business around what, around what they're doing. Ellis, that's another great question. I think the first thing is, I think people need to have the word clarity. You need to know why you're doing multifamily because I knew why I was doing it when I got into it. That's why I didn't quit. I went from mobile home parks to strip malls to multifamily. I wasn't quitting. I was going to find something that was going to work because my other 
part, right? And diving in and, and doing some sales training also. I think what happens is you can get stuck in fear. A lot of students may be afraid. Right now, the country is afraid. You don't act when you have fear. You do act when that fear turns into anger. And I was angry. I was angry that my dad left me. I was angry that I was at a job that I was working harder. That's when I took action. So I think everybody out there, see where you are. Fear and anger are catabolic levels of energy, right? They're negative. They're draining. You can't stay there for a long time or else you're going to get sick. That ultimately turns into anabolic when you start surrounding yourself with great people. Like, I'm going to get off this call today. I'm juiced. I'm ready to go for the rest of the day. If people had this kind of energy all day, every day for the next six months, they could be closing deals like that. Yeah. Think a couple other things. Look at it as a business. Don't look at it as just a one-off. Don't look at it as just buying real estate. The other thing, partnering up with other people. Finding that community where you're going to find people who you can partner with. Are you a good money raiser? Is that person, is that other person really good at actually running day to day? Is that person great at underwriting? Is that person great at investor relations? Whatever that is, I think when people start investing and they start seeing there's so many different facets to multifamily, and you know, you don't look at it as just, oh, I'm just going to go out and buy deals by myself. You can, but then what happened with us, we have students bringing us deals right now. We're partnering with students. So there's so many different ways of getting into multifamily. We love managing our own properties. You don't have to manage your own properties. You can third-party property manage, but you have to learn the system. But I think that, that, that those keys and also focusing on one market when you first start out and not giving up. I mean, that's obvious, but most people take that and they don't really take that in consideration. You're going to get kicked in the teeth. You're going to going to tell people going to tell you y'all ain't doing business down here Stenziano <laughs> and Barbaro in East Tennessee 10 years ago I mean come on guys I mean we, we talk about this whole white thing but down south two Italians down south that's not the easiest thing in the world to get in front of right right it, it was difficult 10 years ago we had no credibility and you know for Jake to be persistent to call back the brokers and to be you know I you know what do I need to do to get in front of you? You need that in this business or to be successful in anything in life and having that clarity and having that persistence and not walking away and constantly educating yourself and not being an expert. Cause as we talked off camera before Ellis, anyone who thinks they're an expert over the last six months of what's been going on, whether it's rent collections, whether it's what's going on with, with the cap rates, everyone's been wrong. So it's really just having an open mind and getting rid of the ego and getting rid of those blind spots and just being open to new, new information. That's what I think is that makes students successful and not having unrealistic expectations, not focusing just on the goal, right? Cause you can say, I'm going to buy a hundred units by next year. If that's your only focus, well, what are you doing to hit that goal? We're only focusing on the goal. Sometimes right. are you underwriting 80 deals a, a year to get to that goal? If you're not, then you're not going to hit the goal. That's the problem. I think we all focus on those goals, but what is the system as James clear, clear likes to say mm. in atomic habits, what is the system or the process? You have to fall in love with that. You have mm -hmm. to fall in love with calling brokers. You have to fall in love with doing property tours. You have to fall in love with analyzing deals and putting in offers and negotiating. If you don't like those then you're never going to hit that goal. Can you sum those up just bullet point wise for our listeners? One of those was te Ooh. finding teammates. One of those was yes. for clarity. Why yes. talk, talk those run through those one more time. They all went through in and out of my head, man. I ain't that smart. Let me That's okay. So <laughs> what I picked up, which I thought was so good. A couple of the key ones, man, was clarity around what yes. you're doing. Number one is clarity. Obviously. Number two would be focus, focus on a market, right? Focus on becoming an expert in that market and really finding out who the brokers are, who the property managers are, who the key players are in that market. The Third thing is you said is partnering, right? Yeah, finding huge. out, finding out, you know, what your great skill sets are, what you like to do. In the beginning, you're probably going to do everything, but if you can find other people to, you know, to get whether they have a stronger balance sheet, whether they have more, they're more liquidity, that will really help you out. 
I think the next one is looking at it as a business. Don't look at it as just as just real estate, but look at it as you're buying little individual cash flowing businesses. And if you can look at it from that perspective, you won't get lost in the weeds. I think that's, those are really important. It's amazing how much faster my team goes now that I've brought on partners because I just don't, I never realized how like I have one partner who just loves like the internal side of the business that like mm-hmm. I dread doing. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, things are always moving forward. Cause those are the things I would put off where mm-hmm. like, he just thinks in systems, right? And he just yes. crushes it. Where me, I'm like, I'm on a podcast. I'm talking to, you know what I mean? Like I just, I mm-hmm. love to get out there and get in front of people. And so I just do, I think the partnership thing is right on, man. Um, that's all great stuff. So, all right, let's transition a little bit. There's so many things I want to ask you specifically because you've been in this business. We haven't met yet. You, you and Jake have been the king of this kind of refi system right like you buy you rehab you refi you're able to pull money out you hold on to these deals i'm curious though do you know you know we're in a really interesting time right COVID 19 uh there's the stimulus money some might say we're definitely got to be at the top or the end of a cycle if cycles even exist traditionally anymore like right mm-hmm. but here's my question especially with this idea of this re- like the dangers around this refi strategy as, as you essentially have the corner of, I do think there's a, like a high potential or high possibility of capital markets really beginning to tighten up Mm -hmm. when the stimulus money stops, probably Mm -hmm. post-election, right? And so capital markets begin to tighten and banks potentially calling loans that are, you know, that are, that are highly levered, I'm curious on your take on this strategy and where and really who you think will be like who you think will be holding the bag at the end of this. Like, is there a potential for a lot of multifamily loans to be called in 2021, knowing that a lot of people, you guys, but and a lot more, and I'm not saying you've done this wrong, but I think a lot of people have overlevered in the mm-hmm. past two or three years using this mm-hmm. strategy. What do you think about that? So for us, you really have to figure out the three pillars of real estate that we talked about, Ellis, before. The three pillars are market cycle, number one. I want everyone to write that down. Number two is debt. And number three is exit strategy. So you need to know what part of the market cycle you're in to be able to buy these assets or be able to figure out what your focus is. So we had talked before, people are buying 1970s for caps in this part of the market cycle that's a little bit risky because there's a lot of there's a lot of capex in those things and if the market does tank you're only going to go up right we're looking for long-term fixed rate financing so in our refine roll strategy it all hinges on the buy right our proprietary three-step framework is buy right manage right and finance right we use community banks in the front end as the bridge debt basically we're getting community bank financing i'll give you an example the deal we closed on friday we're going to get be getting an 80 percent loan to cost on this thing we're buying this asset at forty thousand per unit it's a 1984 build we're going to put an additional five thousand dollars per unit on this deal so it's going to, we're going to be all in at forty five thousand a door it's going to be renting between 650 and 700 Per, per month, the rents. So you look at that asset right there, the replacement is $85,000 per door, minimum, right? So we've bought it right. If we refi that thing and we go with a 60,000 unit, we be able to pull out about $15,000 per door in, in equity. Looking at that, we're only able to refine roll that deal because it is bought 
on the front end. Now, if somebody had paid 55 a door and done to 60, there's no refine rollability there, right, right there. We still have five-year term on this deal. So if we have to wait another year or two years to refi, we, we can. We're getting two years of interest only. We're getting a small prepayment penalty. I think the prepayment penalty burns off after year two. And if not, it's a small prepayment penalty with the community bank. So we're, we can go from the community bank we have now, 18 months, refi back to the community bank. If not, we can take it to agency. So it really depends with the refine roll strategy of what you're buying it at. I'll give you another example. We bought a deal back in December of 2017. We paid blended 27,000 per unit for this deal. Ones and twos in Knoxville. Very distressed property, right? Really heavy lift. It's taken us over 18 months to get this thing repositioned. We're putting one of those assets on the market right now for over 65,000 a door. We're selling it. So we're in, we're in a 27, add another three or four, maybe five for total CapEx. We're at 32 a door. One of them is selling for 67. We're going to refi the rest of the, the portfolio. So you can see you need to buy these assets right. You're not buying a 1970s four cap once again at 90 a door. And then the market is 100 a door and you have to spend five. There's no refined roll right. there, right? You have to buy the right asset. Then you have to actually execute on the manage right portion. We've been able to raise rents. We've been able to push the NOI in these things tremendously. So then when you refinance it, you're going from a community bank with 25-year amortizations with you know, you know, traditionally higher, a little bit higher interest rates to agency, which are 30-year amortizations, rates are lower. So when you're refining it out, you're still going to be able to get between 70 and 75% LTV. So you're not over levering the asset. Fannie's not going to go out and give you tons of money like they used to. They're going to be pretty pretty uh, you know, conservative, especially the market you're in. If you're in a smaller market, you're going to need a lower LTV, maybe 65%. But when you're pushing NOI up that much, you're gonna you're gonna be able to, to refine roll in those deals. Okay, and you and you, you're, I mean, you're doing the strategy right. You're talking about a deal situation and what you teach yes. and coach and practice. But my question is, there are a lot who have done this not that way. Meaning they were they bought those deals that you know didn't have margin, or they were yes. over levered, or they had this refi strategy, and now you know. Fannie and Freddie won't give like they That's have right. to have a certain DSCR, right? That's right. Yes, and they're not meeting that anymore. Yes. So what do you, I mean? Is that do you and are you and Jake planning or thinking? I mean, do you think there's an opportunity there? And well, yes, deals I, like that or what? I think right now we're looking at we're lo we're looking at valuation through operation, not renovation. Like the old syndicators five and six years ago would take. I'll give you an example: a 1970s. C asset, they buy it at a seven cap five or six years ago at 45 a door, put in 10,000 a door, at, now it's 55, and now they're gonna sell it for 70 a door. Two years later, they'll sell it for 90 a door. So they were actually elevating with the market. Right now, the market is so high that if you try to do that and just valuation through generating these units and going from a C to a B, that is really risky right now because because you, as you said, we're not getting that rent increase also. We don't know where rents are going to go. In some markets, rents are going to continue to go up. But a lot of these syndicators have been, have been planning 4 and 5% rent increases. All of a sudden, that's blown up, right? right. That's the problem. And if by any chance cap rates don't compress and start increasing, you're going to try to refi in a market where valuations are actually going, up, going down instead of going up. There's the risk. That's why in those kinds of deals, you don't lose in real estate unless you have to sell. Back in 08 and 09, a lot of debt had became, was collateralized. People had to sell their loans. The multifamily operators that had long-term fixed rate financing, they can ride out the wave, right? You can ride the wave out. If you have five or six or seven years left on your term, you don't have have to worry about those short-term fluctuations as long as you can meet your debt obligations. So to those syndicators out there that are trying to refine roll and they're stuck with it, continue on, have that long-term fixed rate financing. Cause if you're getting deals at 
3% right now. The debt, it's like, it's really cheap money right now. So that's the problem. If you're buying too high, you can't refine at that point. It's a different strategy. You're really buying for coupon clipping. You're buying more for the ability to actually try to cash roll on that asset. And that, that's tricky if you're going to try and refill, refine roll with, with those prices. What was the term you said there? They were doing um, something through Reno. You guys are doing through operations. What was the term? Yes. So it's, it's valuation through operation, mm. not renovation, because we're going to have a lot of operators out there who just can't collect rents, who, you know, if you, if you can't collect rents and evictions aren't happening right now, we're selling time. If you're losing three months of time right now and you can't get residents out and when you finally do the, the, the place is trash and you've got to spend another 10 grand in CapEx that you don't have, there's going to be a lot of pressure. And all of a sudden, you know, mortgages do and you can't pay it. There's going to be a lot of operators out there who are going to be hurting. So that's where I think the value play is going forward the next six to 12 months. Yeah, no, I, I, it's really interesting you say that. You know, I want to ask, um, I want to go a little bit, I want to end with a different um, kind of vein here and, and then we'll, we'll be fit. This has been awesome, man. I'm so grateful for your time. But I know one, I'd be amiss to not talk about this because I've seen you really shift this way over the last year, two years around your family, um, especially around being a dad and, and really teaching your kids. You know, we, even we talk pre-show about taking your daughter to closing table. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't even know what to ask you, man, but like, what are you, like, where's the focus at? Why has been, why has that been such a, a thing of focus for you? Um, recently and really, you know, your six kids and bring them into your business, Talk about why that's so important to you. And then, you know, as a dad, what do you find to be the things that are most important to teach your kids right now about money, about capitalism, you know, that maybe we're not getting in a traditional education system? What those would be kind of my two questions for you, focusing on the dad, wow, the dad so side of you for a minute. That could be in like an hour podcast. I know, I know, man, me, I know. We got 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> no, for me is, uh, you know, in the restaurant, the kids were always working there. They, they all of them worked throughout, you know, the, the, the growth of the restaurant. They all worked in the front. So I was, they were always there with me. And business is always part of my life. It's an important part of my life. I, I've been making payroll you know, longer almost than Ocasio-Cortez has been alive, right? I mean, I've been making payroll for almost 20, almost 30 years, right? It's in my blood to make payroll. That, that's what I was ingrained to do. So for me, it was business was such an important component to my life. And they're always at the restaurant. And then I created a company called Gino's Family. I wrote a cookbook. I wanted, I, were doing, I was doing videos in the garden, teaching kids how to grow a garden and bring it inside and cook with the kids and, you know, eat around the family table. And I started doing physical products. So it was always ingrained in me. So it was just, that's just a continuation. My daughter, Gabriella, works for Jake and Gino. She edits podcasts and does the videos for me and all the training videos. And my son is uh, underwriting with Rand Partners and he's helped me do a rent comp video. So for me, it's just natural to include them. And it's natural for them to understand that this is the greatest land in the world. I don't care what anybody says. The opportunities are endless, right? It doesn't, don't make any excuses. And I always tell them people, with financial intelligence can change the world for the better. That's the bottom line. You, it's not, I don't, I don't personally don't think it has anything to do with race. I think it has to do with class warfare. If you're intelligent, you know how to save, you know how to spend your money wisely. You have more opportunities. If you're someone who comes out of college with $300,000 in student debt and doesn't have any opportunity, what's going to happen? You look at the world a lot differently than my daughter who has zero debt, who's going to be invested in two of my deals, who has the ability to go do mission work because she doesn't have any bills to pay, right? So it's a more empowering life. So that's all I'm saying. You don't, we always look at money as being the end all be all. It just gives you an opportunity to do different things and to say, you know what? I want to do this with my life. For me, 
I was just focused growing my family on basically paying the bills and trying to save, 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 and trying to give them a great life. But now that they're at that age, I want them to understand how important, how important money is. I told you off, off camera, no margin, no mission. That's the bottom line, right? And I always tell my kids also, some people are so poor, all they have is money. So you have to have a balance mm. between the both of them, right? You need money in this world, unfortunately. But as you become more successful and as you become financially free, the irony is you're not, I'm not working for money anymore. I'm working to create value. And the more value I create, the more I get paid. And the more I get paid, the more I want to help people. And the more I help people, the more money I make. And it's just a weird thing. I don't know why God did that, right? It's just amazing. In this economy right now, if you're out there willing to help people, willing to share what you know, people will pay you for that because they, they want, they're paying for results. They're not paying for a product. And that's the amazing thing that once I said to myself, I'm leaving the restaurant, I'm going to rest, real, real estate full time. It dawned on me like, wow, I can help more people. And I don't have to worry about myself. I don't have to worry about my bills because my bills are taken care of. I can go on Friday and go to a closing with my two kids and let them see what the process looks like and let them walk through these units and go, wow, dad, we're really lucky. These people are living in this terrible condition. These units are just not looking great. What do we need to do here? And then you can say, well, that's part of, you know, reality. It's part of how people live and how can we make it better? What are you putting out right now? I mean, I know you have multiple podcast shows, but for someone who's a dad listening to this show or who's a mom listening to this show and they, they want to help their kids, mm. you know, just build a better foundation financially. What are some resources that maybe you have? or, or Three or resources. The first one, I'm going to plug mine. It's the Youth Academy. I'll send you a link. I shot a Youth Academy. There's about 70 or 80 training videos in there. What can parents do? Skills to learn finance, assets, bounty, the whole nine, whole nine yards, you know, insurance, taxes. The second thing, Connor Boyack has something called Tuttle Twins. Go check it out. I did a podcast with him on the multifamily zone. It is an awesome series for What's young. What's it called, Gino? The, the Tuttle Twins. Okay. Written by Connor Boyack. And the third one is an Uncle Eric series. I think it's, I forgot what the author's name is, but it's, you know, it's Penny Candy. It's, it, they're really awesome books. Let me grab one for you. Hold on one second. Uncle Eric, <laughs> Uncle Eric books. These are, these are books for teen, teens. They, these, these are amazing books for, for kids to read about, you know, about how the economy works. You know, why did Rome fall? It wasn't because of other than them, than them really devaluing their currency. What's going on today? History repeats itself. That's why you have to learn about history. It's really important. What is inflation? How does banking work? All these things Uncle Eric talks about in his book. So I would go look at those three resources because, you know, Dave Ramsey's great and I love his message, but unfortunately, we're going to have to learn how to use credit. Yeah. Going, we're going to credit. Everything's digital right now. Debt is good if you know how to use debt, right? There's good debt and there's bad debt. There's a lot of things that he talks about, which is great. You need an emergency fund. You need to save three to six months. But I want people to step out of the middle class mentality and start buying assets, not saving for an event, but save to buy an asset and let that asset pay for the event. That is when you have the paradigm shift. That's the model in your life saying, okay, I've got money saved for my daughter. When she's done with college, that money's gone. But you know what? I've got an apartment building here that when she's done, this apartment building is still appreciating and still throwing off cash flow. So my son's going to get paid through college. And then my next daughter is going to go. And then my next daughter and that building is still paying. You know, So that's the shift that I want people to see that it's not, not really difficult, but we're not conditioned to do that in school. Mm. So, mm. You know, uh, where can where should people go man to continue to follow your journey and then what can they look forward to or what can i look forward to and kind of what you guys are building over there jake and gino 
just go to jakeandgino.com. If anybody wants a copy of our book, The Honeybee, I got the book right here. Just email me, gino at jakeandgino.com. I'll send you a PDF copy. We awesome. talk about complimentary streams there. I've let my children read it. It's about really uh, a story with Noah. He's a pharmaceutical rep. And he has an epiphany where he hates his job like Jake and he meets Tom, who's a beekeeper. And I love the parable. I love the story where Tom owns the hive and the honeybee goes to work every day like we do nine to five and just makes honey and never questions why he's making the honey, why she's making the honey. But Tom is the one who's making the money. And then we start talking about complimentary streams where you have the syndication, where you have the property management, where you have the education. And it's all about building complimentary streams in your business. So um, it's a great book. I love the book. That's and, so you good. Know, Did you come up with that story? Did you kind of bring uh, it well, Yeah, well, we, we brainstormed it. And we're like, you know what? We, we love The Richest Man in Babylon. It's such an awesome book, right? And that parable, everyone can understand. Rich Dad, Poor Dad, written in parable format also. So we're trying to think of how can we make a story relatable about a person who's just a regular guy and starts out with a, with an Airbnb in his, in his, in his basement and then starts learning these lessons from Tom, who's a beekeeper. And that's just his hobby, right? Cause he's made so much money. He's created so many businesses. Every time Noah gets stuck, he goes back to Tom and he keeps getting these lessons from Tom and they're lifelong lessons. And they're like, you know what, how do I do this? No, it's not how it's who can help you do this. That's just one simple lesson in the book. Mm -hmm. So written easy for people to consume, but at the same time, I mean, you look at it and people have these, these paradigm shifts where I would never thought of that. So for us, it's, it was, it was really, really That's enjoyable. Great. Hey, so jakeandgino.com or email Gino at jakeandgino.com for his book, uh, PDF mm -hmm. as a, as mm -hmm. a free offer there. Thank you so much for that. Uh, and, and what else can we look forward to, man? What you guys got working on over there? Anything you want to bring us into? Well, I'm hoping that 2021, we can get back to live events. We're going to continue to do our live events. Uh, for us, just go out there and continue to underwrite deals. I think there, there's going to be an opportunity. Now's the time to start getting investors on your investor list. If you're syndicating deals, create those substantive relationships, create your credibility book, your one pager, start really learning the market, start keeping up the data about what's going on in the market. And hopefully we'll get some deals in the next six months, right? Yeah. Love it. Listen, everybody, I hope you have enjoyed this show. It's more important than ever now to really screenshot this and share this on social media. Let us know what you think about the, the name change. Seriously, seriously, if you have enjoyed this show as much as I have, and up to this point, you've been rocking with us, it would mean so much for you to leave a five-star review as well. Uh, thank you so much. We'll see you next week. Cheers. Take care, Alice. Hey, I hope you enjoyed this show today. If you want to learn more about our community, you're going to want to visit us at kingdomcapitalist.co. There you can find info on our private mastermind and even subscribe to our newsletter to get updates on new shows. And last but not least, land opportunities to get private trainings and coaching calls with the guests of this show. If you're enjoying this show, please take a minute to leave us a five-star review and also share this with a friend. We'll see you next time.